0: Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for uh, your gifts. We've had to do some repair work on the people mover. Uh, so if any of you have any extra thousand dollars sitting around, that'd be awesome to throw that into the offering plate to help with that. But God will provide. He always, he always does. But we're going to have a great time. And uh, we had a donation of a uh, uh, DVD player that's in there so we can watch movies while we're riding today. So that's going to be awesome. And I said the movies are under the supervision of the pastor, so don't be just going up there thinking you can throw a movie in. So we'll see how that goes. And uh, on our, when I get my CDL license, we take some senior trips. We can put the, the Gaither DVDs in there and have a great time. So here we go. If You have your Bibles. Let's hold them up. I'm a child of God. God. Have in my hand, a powerful, word of God. powerful Word of God. Can change lives, can change lives. heal broken hearts. Heal. Save man's, Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today Jesus speak, to speak to me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. 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 Hug your neighbor, would you? Let them know they're loved and that you appreciate them. Turning those Bibles to Ephesians chapter five. One of the verses we want to look at today will be in Ephesians chapter 7, verse 3. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, so you are with God. How many of you believe that? Say amen. All right. The only problem with this is there's not seven chapters in the book of (laughs) Ephesians. So be careful when you say amen. You can say amen because that's the truth about blessed are those who persecute you. And I probably should have come up with another flimsy verse, but uh, anyway, I, I told them I was going to do it in Sunday school and they threatened me, so I had to do it. So, How many of you believe we live in a dark world? How many of you believe that we Christians are called to be the light in the darkness? Can you say amen to that? All right. It's difficult to look around ourselves and to see light in the darkness of which we live. It ought not to be hard. It ought to be very easy for us to look around and see light shining in the darkness. When you have a nightmare at night or a bad dream... What's the one thing that helps that bad dream go away? Turn the light on. Because usually you're having a bad dream about something fixing to jump out from under the bed and grab you. You know, when you were a kiddo, there was something under your bed, wasn't there? And your mom would come in, she'd turn the light on, and you'd both get down and look under your bed, and there's nothing under there. But boy, you swear that there's something under there, right? But light causes darkness to leave. How many of you have experienced cockroaches in your house? Well, don't admit it, but you know. But when you see a cockroach in your house, what's the first thing that will cause that cockroach to leave? Turn the light on. They scurry for the darkness. Nothing good can come in the darkness. Amen? That's right. So I want to challenge you to look past the rose-colored glasses of your suburban American Christian worldview. And I'm going to challenge you today to look how you are to invade the darkness where sin abounds, egos abound, gluttony abounds. I want you to invade, I'm going to challenge you to invade that darkness and bring light. Things are not right in this twisted world. John 1, 4 and 5. We read it earlier. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus came in the fullness of His glory, yet the world rejected Him. The world didn't want Him. And we are His body. Amen. We are His. We are to take on His characteristics. We are to live and act like He lived and acted. And that means that we're to be light in this dark world. Jesus said in Matthew five fourteen, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In our fifth chapter, verse 8 of Ephesians, it says, For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. So you belong to Jesus. And if you do, you are to be light in this dark world, and that has tremendous impl- implications. But how can we be light? How can we really do that? Well, it's because the church has disengaged from the world, and, and, and why aren't we the light because the world's disengaging from uh, the church is disengaging from the world, and, and the Christians, light is absent from the darkness because you're seeing Christians behave the same way the world behaves. You don't see us shining the light against sin because we're involved in it. Matthew 5.16 Jesus said, In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And in this fifth chapter of Ephesians, we find our identity, our direction for life, that we are the light that Christ needs to shine into this dark world. I want to give you five imperatives that Paul teaches us in this chapter that we are to become light in a dark world. Let's start with number one. I must imitate the love of God. Let's look at chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved Christian uh, uh, children and walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. What a powerful verse of Scripture. In context, you've got to understand who Paul's writing to. He's writing to people who are living in the cesspool called Ephesus. Anything that you needed that that would heighten the sensual part of your life, you would find in the city of Ephesus. But God expected His followers, His people to be light in that dark world. And the word Christian means that you're a follower of Christ. So if you refer to yourself as a Christian, then by nature you should do the things that Jesus did. But here's where it gets dicey. How do we imitate God's love? It's a tough question, but the answer's right there in verse 2. We do this by giving ourselves up as a fragrant sacrifice... An offering to God. Yep, I said it. You've got to sacrifice something to God. (laughs) Oh, we don't like the idea of sacrifice. I got you. I got you. You mean you've got to lay down your life for something? That's right. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 1. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You see, Paul knew that if he followed Jesus Christ, he needed to do it in such a way that people could follow him and find Jesus. How's that working for you? Can people find Jesus by following you? It's a difficult teaching that most don't want to accept and it's hard to preach a message like this because the indictment's on me as well. If I'm a Christian, I need to know God and I need to understand that people are going to look at me and want to imitate Christ because of what they see in me or at least they should. I've heard it he said that when you're a Christian, you don't suffer. <laughs> Somebody lying to you. In fact, Jesus said you're going to suffer. A lot of the New Testament tells us that we're going to suffer for the cause of Christ. Rejoice, He says. Blessed are you. You see, it's okay to, to suffer for Christ. It's okay because you will be singled out. You will <laughs> suffer. Paul was writing about the stuff that he had dealt with. He's an old broken down relic of a man at this time and he's writing this. He's in prison waiting to be beheaded. He's not a rookie Christian. He's an old man sitting in the jail. He's locked up in the prison cell and uh, if you could have seen his body, he's stooped over. Eyes are squinting. Head is bald. Scars all over his body because he'd been beaten with rods. He'd followed wild beasts. He'd been stoned and left for dead. He'd been let down over a wall in a basket to try to save his life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11 that he'd been in danger from rivers, bandits, in danger from his own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles. He'd been in danger in the city and the country. He'd been in danger at sea. He'd had, he had labored and toiled and gone uh, without sleep. He, had hungry, he was hungry and thirsty and gone without food. The Bible says that he was cold and naked. And there he is, this little apostle Paul in the prison, and he's writing... This letter, and he's writing also the letter to the Philippians in from this jail cell. When he says, "I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus," <laughs> he's saying I'm not going to quit. He's saying I'm running for my goal. I haven't attained it yet, and I'm still pressing on. What about you? Are you just complacent? Or are you just satisfied with where you are? Or is there something good? Is there something uh, uh, miraculous happening in your life? We must imitate the love of God by laying down our lives just as Jesus did. Mother Teresa said it this way. Love is a fruit always in season and no limit is set. Number two, I must not partner with the world. Let's pick it up at verse 3 in chapter 5. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. uh, Do not be partakers with them. And he's telling us there back up in verse... uh, Three, about all the things that we're not supposed to get involved in. We're supposed to throw it off. He says, don't even let it be spoken among you. Not that you're involved in it, but don't let it be spoken among you. Wow. Sin promotes darkness. And since we are Christians, we have a new identity. We have a new direction in our life. So we're no longer to participate in sin because we are the light seems harsh to say that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will be saved. That's pretty exclusive in its statement. But you see, if we're going to say we are, then we need to back it up by the way we are. We're new. We're risen to walk in a new life. Satan is tempting us. And it's real easy to... Give over to behavior modification instead of simply being transformed. We can say with all of our heart and being, boy, you know, I, I, boy, I'm in the process. But we need to get on top of these things so that we be light in a dark world. And we confuse being with acting and it throws everything out of sync. Because we are light, we are no longer concerned with wondering what light looks like. Because we simply are the light And it ought to be obvious in our lives and people ought to notice that we're light in the light of God. So Paul's trying to get us to assume a different direction, a different identity, in order that we must throw off sexual immorality, impurity, and greed, because these things veil our identity of being the light. 1 John 2, 9 says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in darkness. So if you've got some unforgiveness going on, get rid of it doesn't do you any good. Get rid of it. Colossians 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have, may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. See, we're called to love. Not to be a partner with the world. Now, it doesn't mean we're supposed to totally ignore non-Christian people. Jesus associated with sinners. But it simply means don't marry, don't get involved in business partnerships, don't have intimate friendships who influence you more than you influence them. In 2 Corinthians 6.14, Paul wrote, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Number three, I must reflect Christ. Let's pick it up at verse 8. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. The world will see Christ through us if we are children of light. We will reflect. We will spread that love of Jesus wherever we go. Every time the hungry are fed, the sick are comforted, imprisoned are visited, the naked are clothed, and the least of these is cared for in Christ's name. We've done it unto Him. Matthew 5.16 says, You are the light of the world, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. Therefore, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Number four, I must expose darkness. Pick it up with me at verse 11 and do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness but instead even expose them for it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light for everything that becomes visible is light for this reason it says awake sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you in second corinthians 11:14 it says satan himself masquerades as an angel of light and that's why people sometimes never see him coming and we we give in to that phony image of light first john one it says beginning in verse five this is the message we've heard from him and declare to you god is light in him there is no darkness at all if we claim to have fellowship with him yet walk in the darkness we lie and do not live by the truth You see, that light reveals what is hidden in darkness. That's why when we have an experience with God and the Holy Spirit illumines the sin, then we can't stand to be around it. It creates tears for us. It creates contempt in our hearts. It creates shame. And it should work that way, folks. But the problem is we've gotten callous to it and the Holy Spirit can't even penetrate and prick our hearts anymore. Because we're living so much like the world, we don't know any different. But boy, we jump up and, ha- and hallelujah, praise Jesus. We can't hide ourselves away in churches in some stupid attempt to protect the light. Light doesn't need protection. Light needs to shine. Church buildings are not lighthouses. Lighthouses. But if we use the church building as the lighthouse, we're in bad shape. We are the light of the world, not this building. So we've got to go out of this building and shine a bright light to a lost and dying world. We don't need to wait for darkness to come to us. That's what the people say. Well, when the people come, then we'll, we'll minister to them. No, we've got to get out of here and go minister to them. That's the call of God. We must go and expose that light to the dark world and when you stop and think about it it's a, it's a great thing. Martin Luther told an unusual dream. He dreamed he looked out his cottage window and saw Jesus walking toward his house. So embarrassed was he because his house was cluttered and in disarray. He quickly started picking up clutter and trying to to straighten his living room, but the harder he worked, the more it mess the more messed up it got. Jesus was knocking on the door by now and he couldn't let him let him in and I mean he would be a such a distinguished guest and look at the mess and so he kept trying to fix it up but it just kept getting worse so finally out of fear that jesus would think he wasn't home and leave he went to the door and he opened it he humbled himself and he said come in jesus if you can come into a place like this and martin luther said he turned and gestured toward his house and to his astonishment the room was in perfect order you see when we invite jesus christ into our heart The world sees what's good about us. They see Christ shining on us and through us. Fifth imperative, I must be opportunistic. Pick it up with me at verse 15. Therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, For this is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. For the love of all that is holy, take advantage of this amazing relationship and direction that God's calling us to. God's intent is for our world to be lit up. He defeats darkness, and we are His chosen instruments, and when darkness prevails, it's our fault. If you wonder why our country's in the shape it's in, it's because the light of Christians is not shining bright in the darkness that we call our country. If you don't believe, you need to listen to the sermon online from last Sunday if you don't believe that God's got a, got a message for us. He's got a message. We're in bad shape, folks, because His people have walked away. His people aren't calling Him by name. He says, if my people who are called by my name... That's us, isn't it? He says, if we will humble ourselves, seek His face, turn from our wicked ways and pray... Then He will hear from heaven. So He's got to see us doing what He's called us to do. But we're not doing it because we're loving the darkness instead of the light. And we can't tell which one is which. Oh. Remember that old song we learned in junior church? This little light of mine. Sing it with me. I'm going to let it shine. Whoa, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Come on now. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it. Let it, shine. Let it shine, Hey, you learned it well. You did good. Are we gonna let it shine? I wonder if he, I wonder if God's gonna be in us enough that we let that light shine. And we stop hiding it. In Genesis 1, God said, Let there be light. And there was light, and God saw the light and said, It was good. It was God's plan from the beginning. It's still His order of business. As the worship team comes to help me close, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of God. Of Jesus Christ. Oh Father this morning. I ask you to be real in the lives of your people. That call themselves Christians. That call call themselves people of the light. Oh God would you be real in each of them. Oh God would you bring healing where needed. Salvation where needed. Courage where needed. And God would it be obvious. As we fall on our knees in front of you that you have called us to be light in a dark world. So God, would you bless each person. Touch their life today, Lord. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing a great song. And if you're going to surrender, today's a good day to do it. I'm giving you my heart And all that ends within lay it all down for the sake of you my king I'm giving you my dreams I'm laying down